everybody. This is Paul Daniels, Chairman of Involved Investors. And from my podcast today, I'm going to talk about the evolution that I've seen and been involved in, in the retail industry over the past 60 years. But before I do, I want to send a message to those of you young people, you're all pretty young to me, who have been involved in early stage businesses over the COVID epidemic thus far. You've confronted massive challenges and I take my hat off to you with the way you've dealt with them. I've got nearly 30 EIS early stage investments and thus far every single one of them have managed to keep their heads above water with government help and not without tremendous pain and damage to their businesses. You've had to confront the sorts of problems that I've encountered over my whole lifetime, but you've had to deal with them all at once. Problems of having too high a stock, of too optimistic sales forecasting, of lack of demand, in fact of markets collapsing completely, of not keeping overheads tight enough, of having too many staff, of not having enough cash reserves for the rainy day, and my God, it's been raining hard, of being too reliant on debt and experiencing the banks passing you an umbrella and taking it away when it starts raining, of products being overtaken by fashion or technology, which happens day-to-day in normal business, of having no rainy day planning. You've had to confront all these problems at an early stage in your careers. And I'll give you the good news. The good news is that I can absolutely assure you that this is to your great advantage. You have had to climb the learning curve of business so rapidly. You've confronted the problems which we all need to make us better business people. The mistakes which we all need to confront and understand so that we don't make them again. And your generation will be hugely successful as a result. So chins up. We're nearly through this. I hope we are. It all depends on the vaccine. It all depends on not having too high a spike in this country, which is happening in others around us. But when we do get through it, hopefully soon, you will be in the marvellously good position. Right, let's deal with retail to e-tail to what next. And there is a next and I can see it. In my earliest days, there was food rationing after World War II. It was an interesting time. Food rationing meant that, for example, an adult got a ration book, which came in various colours. I think it was blue for adult. They were allowed 100 grams of bacon or ham a week, one egg, one packet of dried eggs, three pints of milk, 50 grams of tea, and 12 ounces of sweets each month. And then you were given a little extra for anything else you wanted to buy. Shopping was an amazing experience. You went to a retailer, and in those days, the most modern retailers, they were all counter service, but you queued up at the various counters. So, for example, for processed meat, ham, bacon, you queued up at the counter where they sliced it in a wonderfully manual slicing machine. Then you queued up on the sugar counter, and you got your sugar weighed out to the level you wanted and packed up in a little blue bag tied with string. Flour the same. Cheese was cut with a wire to your size of whatever you wanted, cheddar. Butter was taken from a huge, big butter pat, which was then cut up and 
again packed. And the bags were usually brown for flour and blue, as I've said, for sugar. It was a long, arduous process, but we all had a lot more time in those days. After the war, when I was four or five, I lived with my grandparents in Kilburn in northwest London. And I used to go shopping with my grandmother in J. Sainsbury, which was under the railway arch in Kilburn High Road. And then a guy who started a market stalls in Hackney, a market trader, travelled to America. And he was called Jack Cohen. Jack Cohen gave me a tie clip when I was a young man. It bore seven letters, and everybody used to ask me what it meant. The letters were Y-C-B-S-O-Y-A. Any takers? You can't do business sitting on your ass. And actually, that's a very good point for today, because we all sit on our asses looking at screens. Get out there, experience the real world, get the business ideas looking around you. He went to America and he saw there the self-service revolution, which was just beginning. And he came back and thought, that's a damn good idea. I'm going to start a self-service store. And his first store was built in 1931 in Barnet. Tesco was born. Many people copied and emulated him all over the country. And chains which I dealt with in my early days in business, such as Victor Value, Elmo, Price Wright in Swanley in Kent, Booths of Preston, Jackson's of Hull, William Lowe of Dundee, many of which Tesco ultimately bought, actually, and the co-ops, who were very strong in those days, all adopted self-service models. And you know what that is. That's adopted by the small stores today, the Spas and the Londis, etc. And then first superstores emerged. And the first one actually was in Leicester. It was Tesco. And it was built in 1961. And they started selling a much wider range of products, including clothing and electrical goods, etc., I had a really tough time dealing with them because they became very big. They were the biggest distributors of food. As I've said before, distribution is king. And it was a tough time because we were a small food importing firm. We were competing with Unilever and Nestle. And we were dealing with growing retailers with massive leverage like Tesco, Asda, Sainsbury and the Co-op and many others. They used their leverage very ruthlessly. And it was tough. It was a tough school where I learnt all my business skills, which lasted me until today. Retailing was very much in the hands of the big sheds. And they made damn sure that others did all the work. The public had to get in their cars or walk to the big supermarket stores, park their cars, walk in, select their own goods, stand in line, pay for them hump them out of the cars, take them home, disgorge them into their fridges, etc., etc. The suppliers, who in the earliest days were able to deliver 250 or 500 boxes of 24 products to the depots, ended up selling, for example, when we owned New Covent Garden Soup, we were selling a few boxes, a few tetra packs of tomato and coriander, a few, say, 15 tomato and coriander, 17 mushroom, 13 chicken soup to a particular store at 4.35 in the morning 
And then again, another selection, different quantities because it matched exactly their sales at 3.22 in the afternoon. And God forbid we were late because we were fined. So we did all the work. We were paid 60 days later. The supermarket got paid on that day in cash. So they had the cash advantage. They had the staffing advantage. Our staff did the humping. And they had the distribution advantage, which meant that they were the conduit to the customer. And they milked it. And they did fantastically well and still do to this day. It doesn't mean I don't respect them. I think it was a brilliant business model. But it did take massive advantage and still does of its suppliers. But we managed. We came through and particularly learned the skills, as I've said, which have stood us in very good stead. They had the leverage. Tesco now is the third largest retailer in the world, or was on the last Wikipedia update, in terms of gross revenue. Pretty amazing, really, for a guy who started on a market stall in Hackney. So now we move on, and of course the emergence of Delivery to the Door and the great Amazon, and what a great company that is. And it's had a massive boost by covid Only this morning we hear that they're going to be putting on 7,000 new jobs in the UK very shortly. You don't need me to tell you very much about Amazon. We all use it and we all get great benefits from doing so. Convenience, time, the most valuable commodity of all, which is finite and ticking by. Great delivery service and great after sales service too. Amazon, as a result, is now the world's most valuable brand at $1.4 trillion. And its owner is purported, and I read recently in a broadsheet, to earn no less than $12 million an hour. Unbelievable, literally. And some may think rather disgraceful. I won't comment on that. Amazon, therefore, seems set to stay. It's very forward-thinking. It diversifies fast and it takes on new technology and is developing new technology equally rapidly. So it's here to stay and to get bigger. Or is it? Amazon has ruled and Amazon now is a colossus. It does 1% of world trade. But will it last? It's interesting to see the last massive colossus in the world, the really big one, the East India Company, which existed during the 17th to 19th centuries, was worth 78 million Dutch guilders, or $7.9 trillion. It had an army of 260,000, and it completely monopolised world trade. It had 70,000 employees, and was dissolved in 1874 when the politicians eventually put serious obstacles in its progress which undermined it. These sorts of obstacles are the sort of obstacles which are now being imposed or considered to be put on Facebook and Google. Every dog has its day and Amazon will come up against very severe competition which it will actually either need to acquire or will overtake it. And oddly enough, I can see where that's going to come from. I know it sounds very conceited, but I can assure you it's absolutely true that I can see the next stage. Years ago in the 70s, I called a friend 
whose first name is Stuart, and if by any chance he hears this, I'd love him to get in touch with me. He was the buying director for a retailer called McFisheries, which started off as fishmongers but ended up as a general grocery retailer, quite a big one. And I phoned him up and I said, Stuart, I've had an idea for shopping without shops. And he said, really? So I said, yes, can we meet and talk about it? Because I need somebody with your skills to help me model it. And we did talk about it. And basically what it meant was it was very, very simple in its, in its idea that people would phone, because we didn't have internet, through to a central telephone-based system where they would place their orders. The orders would be assembled in an out-of-town storage. The loading system would be based on a double-door cavity, whereby the warehouse staff assembled the orders in the cavity space, locked the inner door from the inside, and the drivers turned up at the evening and opened the outer door with a key which they had to that door only and loaded their vans with the deliveries for their streets. That was the general idea. And we worked it out very carefully and we thought we would have the margin saved through not having the retailers involved would pay for the overheads of running the business. But they didn't because the speed of taking the orders over the telephone and the number of people we'd have to employ to do that and the payment of the drivers overwhelmed the margin saving. So it never got off the ground. Now this was in the 70s. We didn't spend long assessing it. It was a couple of cups of coffee and, a, and maybe a meal, I think, together. May not even have been that, but we may have done it on the backs of coffee bar menus. But we came to the conclusion it wouldn't work. Of course, Amazon made it work and they made it work because of the internet. And Bezos has done the most amazing job. Well, if out there, there is anybody involved in the retail distribution senior management who would like to get in touch with me and has the ability to assemble a world-class team of specialists in buying and distribution, I invite her or him to contact me. I've got no wish at my age to do anything but impart the idea to a really good team and help raise the not inconsiderable capital which would be required to fund the model. Maybe a tiny royalty for my family would be nice. So if you've got really the credentials to do that and the interest in doing it, because it'll be a real pioneering effort and you'll have to take quite a subsidised role to start with, but with a massive future, then I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to tell you the idea with a confidentiality. Otherwise, I'll have to eat you. OK, guys, well, that's a very quick run through the retail trade. I could have spoken for hours, so I shall say adieu and wish you well in thinking up your new schemes for the future, and particularly those who have been through the learning curve, you've been back to school at the highest possible level in actual factual experience. Now let's get on with it and build the future. Until next time, bye-bye.